You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom in Santa Fe. Soul Searching is a journey where I engage with an array of thinkers, from faith leaders to academics to artists, to explore deep questions of meaning, questions that all of us ask at some point in our lives, such as why are we here? What is right and wrong? Is there good and evil? Is truth relative or absolute? Is there life after death? In our journey, to help us in our journey this evening, we're very honored to welcome to our show Terry Burnett, Executive Director of Creativity for Peace an international non-profit based uh, here in Santa Fe for the last 17 years that brings Israeli and Palestinian young women together to partner as leaders for a more just and peaceful world. Tari, welcome. Thank you so much, Rabbi Neil. It's great to be here. So tell us about Creativity for Peace. Tell us about your mission, your vision, your impact. Mm-hmm. So um, I took over the organization about a year ago um, when essentially almost the founding director retired. Um, and really our goal is about um, creating meaningful encounters. And we do that through uh, transformational dialogue uh, and therapeutic art, uh, along with, with, with many fun activities, going to the opera, Wise Fool. Um, we appreciate their support, the Mountain Center, of course. Um, and, and really the goal is to take two, two, two peoples, but essentially three groups. We work with, um, young women, young Israeli women. We work with, um, Palestinians who live in the West Bank and also Palestinians who live, um, in Israel. And so it's the three groups that are encountering each other oftentimes for the first time. And we do that sort of outside of any sort of conflict zone. And the goal is, is really just bringing them together, um, to build these long lasting friendships, um, with the ultimate goal of them partnering together as leaders when you say outside of any conflict zone santa fe is very outside (laughs) conflict zone why is santa fe why not somewhere larger more populous why i mean this is a this is a long way away it's a long ways away yeah it's a really good question um and I, i think it really started with the original founder um who had, uh, you know, 65 beautiful acres up near Glorietta. Um, and as we all know, we live here. This land is sacred and holy, um, and there's a lot of healing that happens. And so I think that was part of the attraction, but it was really the, this piece of land that she had. And, you know, it was during the Second Intifada, and she wanted to do something. And she had these connections to this compassionate listening, um, therapeutic art, and then, of course, connections in Israel and Palestine. And that was her vision, was to bring these young women to a place where they could rest, they could heal and connect. So really, why Santa Fe? It's because someone in Santa Fe did this, as opposed to anywhere else. Yeah, I would say yes, and that there's something about this place. Um, uh, You know, we have... Um, lots of activities that happen here. And I think there's a, a pretty high level of consciousness around peace and wanting um, to be active in the global community. So you mentioned compassionate listening and therapeutic art. For those who, who don't know, what, what do those things mean? What do they involve? Well, compassionate listening, it's its really um, a, a a methodology, and that's um, what we teach the young women, um, and it's really about um, authentic speaking. So, getting to actually know yourself, so you're you're more responsive than reactive, um, and it's also um, understanding your feelings and being able to process those and integrate them, and then be able to speak. And it's really about holding another story, even if you don't agree with it. 
And that's and, and so what about the therapeutic art? What is what does that involve? Mm-hmm. Um, well, we work with Southwestern College, um, and so we have two art therapists who are our directors, and then we also have usually three to four of their interns every year. So they're getting credit while they're working with us um, and really modeling. Um, and what that means is just that it's not a prescripted art. It's not technique. It's all about um, tr- processing emotions through art. So it's very open. It's very loose. There, there's directives, of course, and those directives are linked to the dialogue, the therapy, the, the, the compassionate listening, the dialogue that we do. Um, that's also that's facilitated. So they're linked. And it's about, you know, these young women are going through three hours of really intense dialogue, and then they get to go into art um, and, and, and movement and different things too. But the art is where they get to really, um, really uh, deal with those emotions. Are there, since we're talking about the emotions, are there common emotions that they tend to see in each other that they may not have realized was sort of common emotional ground? Or are there different different emotions from the three different groups mm, in tendency? It's a really good question. Um, you know, as much as we, you know, we walk this narrow line of holding both narratives as real and true on the personal level, there is the reality of the occupation, uh, which, is, you know, we recognize and it's in our mission to work to end that. Um, so there, there, the, the power structures exist. And so there's a lot of, um, there can be sort of um, some guilt and shame on the Israeli side. And then there can be a lot of, you know, anger um, and um, hatred from the Palestinian side, just naturally because of the conflict and um, the power structures that exist there. So I would say that is real, but the real beauty of our program is that underneath that is this common humanity, and that's where the the young women connect, and they say, "Oh, you like the same music. We eat, you know, right. so much of the same food, and we care about the same issues in the world, and we actually want the same thing." So why young girls? What young women? Why why not? Why one particular gender? Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, as as a woman and as a woman studies major and as a mother of a daughter, um, you know, to me, there's a lot of power in working with women only spaces. Um, And so it's not, you know, we want men, we have men on our board and we want allies. um, But we feel like creating those women only spaces creates a lot of power. Um, And it also frees from distraction. You know, teenagers are teenagers. (laughs) And when, you know, you bring... Uh, genders together, there's going to be lots of, you know, drama and and interesting things going on. And we really want this to be about the work and about the connection between the young women and then to gather as women when they go back home and find power in that. And so we also connect them um, to other women-led organizations in Israel and Palestine. So you mentioned power. I'm very interested by that being a man. Um, And uh, it's a different kind of power. Um, What is the power of women's groups that can be brought uh, out, essentially, that we don't see otherwise? Mm. Um, well, I, it's a, it's a, a complicated <laughs> answer, I think, because it's, it's nuanced, but it's also very simple, is that I think women generally um, are about the collective. I think there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of wonderful men that are about the collective, too, but I think um, there is something about when women come together that it's, it's um, it's a thread of compassion that's going through that circle and awareness um, and a sensitivity to each other. And I think a little bit less compassion. Now, 
before anyone attacks for being stereotypical. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. I think there's some truth to that, and and I think just the reality is is that you know women are fifty percent of the population, and they should be represented fifty percent of of all power places where power and decisions are being made, and that's our goal. I, when I go to the open days at Creativity for Peace, I do like. Usually every year someone says the men have had their chance and failed. So it's time for the women to step up. And I, I do see there's something about alternate power and,、mm-hmm. and finding power in different ways, I think.、Mm-hmm. And, and having just that voice at the table. Right. And, but specifically being able to say this is, this is a voice that everyone is going to listen to, which is, I think, very important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned when, when they go home. How, what happens there? You know, it's very easy for us in liberal Santa Fe. You know, very often people say we're in a bubble and oh, we'll fix the world. But、mm-hmm. when when the young women go back home, does it work? Are there challenges? What, what happens?、Mm-hmm. Well, these are all really good questions.、Um, so,、uh, you know, overarching our program is that then they go into a year long leadership training program, and that's four to five intensive weekend long seminars that continue the facilitated dialogue. But we go a little bit more into topics like about gender, about、um, uh, listening to dual narratives, and, and things like that,、um, and activism.、Um, but for me, there's there's a much more subtle, nuanced、um, thing that happens, and that's where this they become creativity for peace becomes a cornerstone, like a touchstone of change. And so all of these girls have been transformed.、Um, you know, we have women who are still with us 17 years later. Wow. Um, and that just reflects that deep transformation. This is not just some sort of summer camp they went to and had a good time and made、right. some friends. It's fundamentally changed who they are and how they view the world. And but the world around them hasn't changed. So they need to come back and they need to keep touching and connecting and realizing that space in them that's different and to see that in each other to to kind of keep that energy going and the strength because、um, they do get.、Um, You know, I think there's a lot of social exclusion that happens that can be overt,、um, sort of yelling at them for you know talking to the other side. But it's also very very covert where they, maybe they've lost some friends because they feel like they're you know they're traitors on both sides. You know the girls experience it. So to be able to come together and and say you know this change was real, and we're courageous enough to keep to keep that thread going. It's quite extraordinary to hear you. To hear you share this, which you know, those of us who have, you know, connections with people、uh, in Israel and Palestine know this to be a reality—the sort of other side, the exclusion, the alienation. But what this means is that the girls who step forward are really stepping into something or out of something very profound. They're、mm-hmm. really making a giant leap、mm-hmm. uh, for womankind、um, yeah. to, to and for peace to be able to say. I get it. This might really affect my life. This might cost me friends and family and so on. But this is this is a very powerful statement. Yeah, and I would say coming into this, you know,、um, non-affiliated and sort of with fresh eyes, the young women that I'm meeting are, are would be leaders in any sect.、Um, they, it, what I'm realizing is that because this is such a courageous step, it actually attracts. A lot of in, an inner strength and courage and confidence、um, that really puts our young women in the upper echelon of, of leadership. We're going to take a little break. When we come back,、uh, I'd love to、uh, talk more、uh, about this extraordinary program. 
So you're listening to Soul Searching uh, on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom. My guest this evening, uh, Terry Burnett, Executive Director of Creativity for Peace. And we'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil from Temple Beth Shalom. My guest this evening, Terry Burnett, Executive Director of Creativity for Peace. And we've been talking about this extraordinary program that's been going for 17 years now of, of bringing these young Israeli um, Jewish women, Israeli Arab women and Palestinian Arab women to um, to Santa Fe to, to really transcend and to help create peace. I guess you mentioned as we come back now, as your new director – you know, you took over the reins of creativity for peace around a year ago. So what about you? What led you to this and what led you to this point? So um, I have an undergraduate degree in women's studies. Um, now it's likely called gender studies. Right. Um, but it really helped me understand sort of the, the matrix of, of oppression that exists and um, an understanding sort of, you know, the privileges that I have and then to be able to take that in, into the world. I went on and got a master's in social work from the University of Denver, and I actually did refugee resettlement for about 10 years. Um, and so, you know, all of these have led me to this to this moment, really, um, to want to be able to continue doing international work and, and being in Santa Fe. Um, and and for, for me, you know, knowing... Um, that you know, not not being Jewish and stepping into this space, um, I had I was uncertain. You know, am I the one? Um, but I had a lot of wonderful people around me say, "No, you're exactly the one." Um, to kind of come with a beginner's mind and and like I mentioned, fresh eyes allows me to enter into this space and um, and take the skills that I have about working, you know, intercul- uh, interculturally, um, and uh, having a background in social work and trauma, um, and and really caring deeply about peace in the world and working through that. To, to work directly with women. So it's sort of a culmination of all the wonderful things uh, in my life that have led me here. You, it's fascinating. You mentioned trauma in particular. Do you tend to see these girls as being traumatized when they come to, when they come here? Um, well, that goes without saying, right? I mean, growing up in a conflict zone and, and you know, uh, one of the stories I heard, I sat in the dialogue. So we do 13 three-hour dialogues during the summer session, which is three weeks long. Um, I had one of the Israeli girls said, um, you know, her first memory was of the sirens going off and going into shelter um, in the north because she lived on the border um, of, of Lebanon. Right. And... It was a positive memory, though, right? Go she on. was with friends. She was oh, there. Were snacks. Her family was wow. around. But the irony, right, of right. that it was because that there were there was there's a war going on, right? right. Um, and so trauma goes without saying. Um, so we're not a therapy program per se. So we don't, you know, do individual therapy. But I, it's really important that we have the sensitivity and that all of our work, whether it's our space, our facilitators, or the work that we're doing is all trauma-informed. It's really important. Um, and that if something happens, which, you know, it comes up in different ways, trauma shows up in different ways, that we're poised to handle it. And if need be, to refer back when they go home. But I think, you know, you say it goes without saying, but it's interesting for me, I... I see a lot of people talk about trauma on one side, mm. um, but actually when, when we come to the open day, uh, you know, in the summer, to see everyone talking about trauma and their own trauma and their own surprise as well at, at stereotypes and so on, 
I think it's important to be able to to just voice the fact that there is a shared trauma. It's a very different kind of trauma between groups, obviously. Mm -hmm. But but they're all suffering in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and one of the things that we really we say is that, you know, um, it's all experiences are equal. There's no um, just because you live in one side or the other that your experience is more or less traumatic. Um, you know, one of our goals as an organization is to be able to recognize that although, you know, the experience might be different um, and the story, you know, might feel heavier than another story, it's the impact is just as equal and just as real and that that's why these young women are sitting in this room together and willing to, like, really meet each other in deep and profound ways. I think that's very powerful that one person's pain doesn't override another person's pain. It's their pain, and, and, yeah. and we, we don't grade pain. You're in pain, you're in pain, and let's, let's work together, work through it. Right. How much of this comes from stereotyping? How much of the – I mean, obviously, there's real-life events. Um, we had uh, one of the young leaders come to Temple Beth Shalom to talk about her experience and how she was sitting having tea one day, and a stray Israeli rocket came and killed her brother. Mm. Um, you know, the, the – terrible trauma of that um uh, nonetheless she was able to transcend stereotypes what kind of stereotypes do you see at the beginning that mm -hmm. often get broken down over the course of a few weeks mm -hmm. uh you know i think on both sides right so um i think a lot of the palestinian young women think that the israelis don't care and there's sort of this callousness um, and that, you know, that they're viewed as the enemy. Um, so I think that's an initial, um, they kind of brace for that. And then it's like a shock of, oh, like there's, they, they're so sincerely interested in hearing our story. Right. Um, and, and how real it is. And they're also, you know, willing to look that, look at that they, they're, that they each are not their governments, right, right, um, or the organization or the political party that's representing them. That that they both actually care much more about the same things than what is shown in the media. I think that's one of the biggest realizations on both sides is that the media really um, influences the way that they think and believe, and then that just takes on a life of its own in families and communities. And we are not our government is a really important. We're, we're not the people who are elected to represent us or sometimes not even elected to represent us. We're not, we, are, we are our own individuals. You know, when we think back to 70, 80, 90 years ago, the cross-communal cooperation between different groups in the Middle East was enormous. Mm -hmm. um, and my experience of people still today is they just, they want to trade, they want to have their friends, they want to be able to just connect as opposed to the much stricter governmental differences that are, that are applied. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, there's just a lot of fear mongering that goes on that just deeply affects uh, their, their everyday lives. Have there been defining moments for you in this work have there been things where where already in the last year you've just thought wow i i was not expecting that or wow this is really important moment mm -hmm. have, there, have there been some moments that have just caught you mm -hmm. yeah more than i can count but i i can think of two one um was sitting um in dialogue and watching this group of of young women with you know, these two facilitators, one one Jewish, one Palestinian, 
and realizing how the, the work that they're doing and the, the depth that they're getting to know themselves is something that, um, that just is human and that should be sort of taught, you know, from grade school on the sort of emotional awareness. Right. Um, that's one because it's just such a skill that even though they're doing this really hard work right now, it's going to, to yield these huge dividends in, throughout their life and that we're as Creativity for Peace is giving this gift to them. And that they're accepting it and running with it. Right. That's one. And then the other was sitting in Ramallah, which is in the West Bank. I was in Israel last September. I was supposed to be in Israel today. Huh. Um, but for obvious reasons, I'm not traveling and so happy to be here. But in September, I was in Ramallah and I was sitting with a group of, of um, our Palestinian alumni. And um, and I was sort of briefed by my staff. You know, we were in open public space in a, a restaurant. And they said, you know, just don't say the word Israeli. Wow. And I just thought, you know, I get it, of course, but to to realize how loaded that is and just sort of like common culture in a restaurant. And I would watch, I was with a group of about eight young women and some of them are mothers now and, you know, professionals. And every time they would speak, we'd just be flowing. I'm asking them questions, getting to know them. They would, you know, be talking and then, then they would just say Israeli and then they would keep talking. You know, and it was just fascinating how they had, they were, I was watching them live in these two spaces of this open creativity for peace space of like knowing that, that they could really say anything and it would be held. Um, and, but being in this public space and having to, to um, manage what they were saying and how they might be um, looked at by, by strangers. What was the expectation of what might happen if you say Israeli out loud? I don't know, but okay. I can imagine that someone would come up and or they would tell their family and, oh, I right. saw so-and-so oh. at this restaurant and they were with, you know, this American talking about Israelis. Um, and then that could, you know, spin up into some sort of rumor or, um, you know, social exclusion or, or worse. That's quite extraordinary because the nature of creativity for peace is, is dialogue and to be in a space where you can't even mention the name it's a sort of Voldemort moment. You can't mention the name of the other, whoever the other is. How can we possibly move towards dialogue and peace if we can't even say them by name? Well, Be because you could have been talking about anything. You could have been talking about – you could have been saying something very negative about Israelis or you could have been saying, oh, well, we can come together and work here and so on. But the fact that you can't even mention, right. that's, a, that's extraordinary. Well, and it just reflects um, – you know, I think all these girls are taking a huge, courageous step, but certainly the, the Palestinians right. living in the West Bank, um, they have the most on the line to lose. And, you know, we have to take all, you know, we protect their identities, you know, photos. We often can't show right. photos. I mean, they are the most sort of protected group in the work that we do because they're the most at risk. And to me, the uh, you know, the, they, um, they're all inspiring and and that is just a whole other level of courage. It, I, mean, it, it, I think this is really important to bring out the fact that it's not just uh, the fear of the other, but the fear of the same when you relate to the other. Mm. I think is uh, it, that's really disturbing, but mm -hmm. highlights the importance of creativity for peace. Yeah, that you know, I always I always say that even if you know, and when. I'll be optimistic. A peace plan is signed at the government level. 
um, that it's still going to take the people having to um, figure out what that means and what that looks like. And, and, and that's really why we exist, is that we, we do this, you know, this deep and long and powerful people-to-people work so that they, when, when it gets to that point, they already have the skills. They already know how to, how to have these encounters right. and how to manage conflict. You mentioned that you were going to be elsewhere now, but can't because of this COVID-19 pandemic, um, both here, I guess, and Israel-Palestine. How does this affect your work, uh, particularly with this summer coming up? Mm-hmm. Um, what What's going to happen? Yeah, well, um, I was very excited to, um, to to be able to promote our Young Leaders Speaking Tour on the on this today. Um but that was supposed to be in April. We were going to be in Los Angeles and then in New Mexico, middle of April. Um, so that's sort of the first thing um, that we had to cancel, unfortunately. And we're going to postpone it, you right. know, with the hope of maybe doing it in the fall. Um, and, you know, the next thing up really is camp. Um, although we have canceled um, at least one seminar in Israel. Right. Um, again, not canceling, but postponing. Um, so, you know, we're all watching and waiting. Right. And and being realistic and practical. And so for us, you know, we really don't have to make a firm decision until the middle of May. Um, and when, at that point, we'll be able to know whether we'll be able to hold it or not. Or And, and, and in that meantime, we're going to get really creative uh-huh. <laughs> around what that what what other program might look like. Maybe we start with the seminars um, and then we have, you know, we end with camp versus the other way around right. um, that we're all adapting right now. But um, the incredible staff here and in Israel and Palestine are are all, you know, really brainstorming and thinking about what the next few months look like. With the last couple of minutes left, you you were very optimistic when the peace plan is signed. Um, I'm not as optimistic. Um, so, in this in this time of uncertainty, in this time when we don't even know a decent peace plan that will work, that will be acceptable for everyone, and so on, what do you see creativity for peace? as achieving i mean in part you've already mentioned it in terms of when there is a peace plan they already know how to implement it in the time when there isn't a peace plan the now what is it that you're achieving that is so important Mm. well in my you know um limited experience um people the, the people on the ground want some sort of peace, right? I mean, we're all human and we want to just sort of raise our families and go to school and right. get educated and, and, you know, make a difference in the world and, and live in peace. Every, uh, my sense is that that, that, is, that that is what the people want on, on all sides and the world wants, frankly. Um, and the leadership right now, you know, obviously is sort of in the way of that on all sides. And I would put, you know, us in the middle of that, right. certainly. Um, and so for our goal is, is that, you know, just the, the painstakingly slow and arduous process of, of teaching people a different way and, and, and trusting that the ripple effect of that is going to be powerful. Our work has affected tens of thousands of people. We know that. Right. Um, and so when people start to believe that there's a different way, and then as, as our young women go into power, whether it's in their own families, their communities, politics, universities, professions, they will be affecting change and they will be voting and they will be taking political offices. And, and that's, that's our goal. It's just this sort of slow and, and, meth- and, and, um, and um, beautiful process of transformation from the ground up. 
I think you do extraordinary work. I truly do. I think it's so easy to put blame on one side or another side. We say that a lot, even in Santa Fe. Um, this is this is their fault. This is their fault. But that's not what you're doing. What you're doing is bringing people together in extraordinary ways and really sowing the seeds for peace. So I want to thank you for coming in and for sharing your thoughts. Um, and I uh, want to encourage all our listeners to really look up your website and someone to, to offer support. So thank you to Terry Burnett, Executive Director of Creativity for Peace. Thank you, Rabbi Neil, and thank you for being a partner with us in this work. Of course. You've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until we return again in two weeks' time, keep searching. <laughs>